everyone. Thank you so much for being here today at Solace Church. Uh, we're in week two of our series called The Missional Church. In this series, we are learning how to go out into the world, out into our communities, into our workplace, uh, into our schools, into uh, places all over the world. And we're talking about what it looks like to meet people where they are and demonstrate the love of Christ to them. It is the purpose of the church to do just that. And if you weren't here last week, I'll give you just a quick uh, update from what we talked about last week or uh, just, just to take a quick look back to help you understand where we uh, came from so that you can understand where we're going today. If you're a guest visiting with us today, thanks for being here at Solace Church. We love seeing new families and new faces and new people. And so thanks for being here today as we are uh, continuing this series. And if you're watching online at solacechurch.com, Thank you for being a part of our online community uh, this morning. So um, this is week two, as I said. And if you weren't here last week, let me just spend a moment catching you up with where we are. The Missional Church series is a series to help our church understand what God has been unfolding in us and what he wants to unfold through us in this second 10 years of our church's existence. We are 12 years old. That means we are into what we call the second 10 years of our church's journey. The first 10 years was about numerical growth, not exclusively, of course, but that was a major emphasis. Let's grow the church and, uh, and let's meet people where they are. Now, this, 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 this continuation of the journey is now adding this next piece, which is now mobilizing the church, the body of Christ, you, me, and go out into the world and meet people where they are and love them like Jesus. And so that's really where we are on the journey. Last week, we built the biblical case as to why this is exactly what the church should be doing, what Solace Church should be doing. And what I shared with you last week uh, was the, 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 the what and the why. And again, if you weren't here, I'll give you a recap in just a moment. Today and next week, we're going to be helping uh, you understand how. How is it that we're going to live out this idea of being missional, of going out into the community? So if you weren't here last week, let me just give you a quick, uh, a quick overview of what we talked about before. We talked about the fact that there is an emphasis that we've embraced, which is called the attractional emphasis. That is, we invite people to come and to see what God is doing in and through the ministry of Solace Church. And that is not going to stop. As a matter of fact, I want you to continue to invite your family and your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, your neighbors, um, anyone and everyone you can think of, I want you to continue to invite them. One of the ways that we let people know that we're a part of Solace Church is by checking in on our cell phones uh, at, on Facebook or whatever other venue, and you guys know this, as awkward as it is for some of you, we want you to get your cell phones out and we want you to check in at Solace Church. And so, I mean, like right now, you are welcome to do that. Get it out. I won't think you're doing something you shouldn't do. Get it. Thank you. <laughs> phones are being lifted everywhere. <laughs> That's all right with me. Check in. Let people know that you're here today at Solace Church. Um, that's not going away. We're going to continue to do that. But, but what does it mean to embrace this idea of missional, of, of really going out. Well, we, I gave you a working definition of what the missional church means. And if you, if you weren't here or you just didn't remember, this is what I said. The missional church is a community of Christ followers that defines itself and organizes its life around its real purpose of being an agent of God's mission to the world. An agent of God's mission to the world. One of the things that became so clear last week is from Paul's letter to the Romans that we are God's ambassadors. 
as though God were making his appeal through us. That is, when you go out as a Christ follower, and as I go out, God makes an appeal to be reconciled to him through us. I mean, we are the agent of Christ on earth. And so the idea of being missional is just that, being an agent of God to go out into the world. So this is, this is the purpose that we're embracing as a church. Now, we built the biblical case, and I want to go back there with you for just a moment. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 25 is where we're going to look for a couple of minutes. I want to go back to show you the biblical case for the idea of being missional, of going out. Matthew 25, this is what Jesus says. And if you have, a, uh, if you have your Bible, and they do red letter uh, writing where Jesus speaks in your Bible or on your phone, this is red letter stuff. This is from the very mouth of Jesus as to what, as to what the future holds for every person. Notice... Verse 31 of Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, there's no question that this is talking about the second coming of Christ. This is when Jesus returns and all of the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Now, we we talked last week briefly, but let me just tease again the next series coming up. We're going to unpack what this looks like to talk about this return of Christ. We're doing a series called Life After Life, and we're going to talk about uh, the events to come, what is it, what, what's going to happen when Jesus comes back, and what is heaven going to be like. That's coming after this series, and so just stay tuned to that. But, but this is a picture of that day. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The takeaway last week, if you remember, was you want to be a sheep, not a goat. <laughs> Verse 33, He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. This is the promise for those who are in a relationship with Jesus. They're called sheep. Verse 35, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then in verse 37, we noticed last week that the righteous are confused. I don't understand how we did this. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? And then when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then the king will say, verse 40, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Do you see the point? Jesus says, when you feed and clothe and and visit the one in prison and, and show hospitality to the stranger, when you do these things, you will be rewarded for doing those things. Now, this is really important that we hear this. Because if you're not careful, we said this last week, it's worth saying again, you can look at these verses and you can begin to believe a works-based salvation. That if I do these things, then, I am, then, I, then it will cause me to be saved. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, this is how sheep act. This is what sheep do. This is the outflow of the life of a Christ follower. And they'll be rewarded on that day for doing these things. And so Jesus makes it abundantly clear. This should be the activity of the Christ follower. So this is the biblical case that we made last week. All right, now, um, I, 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 I want to just, just refresh your memory on one more thing before we move forward. 
I said last week for the missional church to be embraced from every single person at Solace Church, that it's likely that some part of our pattern of living may have to change. Maybe every bit of our pattern of living may have to change to make this happen. So our schedules, how we spend our time, our finances, how we invest and spend our financial resources, our mindset, how we view people, and our heart, what our heart beats for. And we talked about the fact that this might need to change. And so that's the ground we covered last week. All right, now let's talk about for the next, uh, next couple of weeks how we're going to do that. I, I am really excited about today, and here's why. Because for many, many years, we've been talking about at Solace Church the, the four big initiatives that God's called us to over the next few years. And today I get to tell you that we are going to begin to make significant strides forward toward one specifically that has to do with stuff we're doing overseas. All right, so here with us this morning is some very special guests. The president of an organization called 1040i, Mike Kuzno, he is here with us. He has brought with him two very uh, uh, impressive and important individuals. Uh, Pastor Paul is with him today, and uh, Pastor Paul is on location in Ivory Coast. He is a part of the 1040 organization, 1040i organization, and Pastor Paul is on location in, in, in uh, Ivory Coast, Africa. And he is uh, helping support the mission of 1040i, which I'll explain in just a moment. Now, with uh, Pastor Paul and with uh, Mike is a young man named Fidel. You're going to hear Fidel's story in just a moment. It is fascinating. Fidel was abandoned by um, some incredibly difficult circumstances. He was abandoned and, and left behind by his parents. You'll hear the story. And you're going to hear how God ha- has done an incredible work from that point of abandonment to where he is today. So, why are they here? Because the story you're going to hear helps us perfectly understand why God has called us to do the work we're going to be doing overseas. Um, This year, we've been working incredibly hard behind the scenes to help prepare our church for the moment when we can actually go build the orphanage we've been talking about in Africa in the very near future. So we've had a group of people, they are, we call them the construction team, uh, Lisa and Charlie Grau, um, Mel Bean, Shad Foley, Jared Parks, and myself and a few others have been working very hard behind the scenes, sketching out and planning for what the orphanage building is going to look like. We also have an orphanage uh, team that's been working to help plan for how the orphanage is going to function and, and look once we get the building built. And so there have been people working behind the scenes for months and months and months to prepare us for the moment where we can begin to tell you about the details. And today is that day that you get to know about this. All right, so here's what I know. There are some of you who are beside yourself excited about the orphanage. You're like, that is, I'm, I cannot wait to hear about this. I've been waiting a long time. There are others of you in the room that say, I love that Solace Church is building an orphanage, but I can never see myself going to Africa to actually you know, be at the orphanage. Either, in either situation, I want you to understand that it's okay. If your heart beats for this, that's great. If you would say, Matt, I love that and I'm excited about that and I'm glad we're doing it, but what are we going to be doing here that I might be able to be involved in? Well, next week is all about you, my friend. We're going to show you in great detail what God has positioned us to be able to do in Berry Hill, America. <laughs> and Sand Springs and Sepulpa and Glenpool and Jinx and West Tulsa for the, for the, for the, for the cause of Christ to reach people. So hold on. But today, let me help you understand what we're doing with the orphanage. Several years ago, we moved from, an, uh, from a 5,300-square-foot uh, building that cost $215,000 to purchase to this 23,000-square-foot facility that was just a wee bit more than 
a wee bit. And we began praying about what we're going to do with the old facility. And through a lot of prayer and discussion, we believe God led us to, to, to put that building up for sale. Through a series of events, we were connected with another church that was interested in purchasing the building. And after a period of negotiations, uh, we agreed on a price. We wore that building out in the 10 years that we were in it. And so uh, uh, when we purchased it, $215,000 was the great price. We felt like that, uh, that the price we settled on at $185,000, we wore that building out in the 10 years that we were in it. And so uh, uh, when we purchased it, $215,000 was the great price. We felt like that, uh, that the price we settled on at $185,000 was very reasonable based on the abuse that we gave to that building. And so for a, we, we agreed to a price of $185,000 for that uh, old location. And we began to pray and, and dream about what we were going to be able to do. And we felt like through that process, God was opening the opportunity and the door for us to, to sell that facility and put that money in the bank so that we could have the funds to be able to actually build this orphanage that we've been dreaming about for years and years and years. And so right now in the bank at Solace Church in one of our savings accounts, we have $175,000 right now in the bank. Over the course of the next couple of years, the, the other $10,000, which we agreed to, will be, uh, will be included in those, those dollars. And so we have $185,000 available. All right, now, we are at the point in this process where we're beginning to work through the details that are necessary to work through so that we can eventually build this facility. There are contractual negotiations that have to take place. There are permitting, building permitting processes that have to take place. There's all kinds of coordination to figure out how much stuff we're going to buy in country and ship over there. There's a thousand details to work out. And I, I understand that it is in the details where the enemy attacks us the greatest. And so I know that that's where we are. And so today I cannot promise you that what I'm describing to you will actually work work itself all the way out. We believe that God is leading us down this road and we trust him for this whole process. But as, as we continue to move forward, we believe God's leading us to do just this. And so what I want to do for you for a couple of moments is help you understand what the orphanage is going to look like. Think about this for a moment. There's 1.3 million orphans in Ivory Coast. Some 400,000 of them have become orphans because of the AIDS epidemic that exists. This is from UNICEF's uh, uh, recent studies. It's an incredible, overwhelming amount of need that's there. Now, lest you think that there are 1.3 million kids just running the streets without any kind of family structure, that's not the case. In Ivory Coast, there's, the family structure is actually quite strong in some areas. And so those who have been abandoned or orphaned due to tragic situations generally have a place to go. They have a, a family or some friends or community that will bring them in. And so they're not just running the streets completely abandoned. However, there are some who are facing this, this real sense of abandonment. We're coming into that brokenness, and we're going to meet them right where they are. All right, now, I want to show you a piece of property that's been made available to us through the partnership with 1040i, a piece of property that we believe God's allowing us to move forward to be able to build this orphanage on. Watch this short video of the property that we believe God's opening up for us.
So that is the location. That location currently today has a church that exists on that piece of property. It also has a pastor's house that exists there. It also has a Christian school. Rejoice Bilingual Academy is on that location. Here's the really cool thing. If God allows us to build this orphanage on this piece of property, we have dozens and dozens of kids on this property, they will be able to go to a Christian school and hear about the work and person of Jesus. And they will, our prayer would be receive him in a relationship and their whole eternity will be changed through this process. That's what God, I believe, is preparing for us. Now, I want to show you very practically what this is going to look like. So this is the piece of property that the, that the orphanage is going to uh, exist on, assuming things continue to move forward as the way that they are right now. And so this is the actual location where the orphanage was, would sit. All right, now, uh, the school has an opportunity to, to expand as well. There's some more property available. Uh, but this is in Tonda in Ivory Coast. Now, uh, our architects have done a really good job of uh, laying this out on a site plan, and I want to show you a picture of the site plan. It's a little bit fuzzy, but this is that same area that you just saw that I was showing you. And here's a picture of the site plan. Our purpose and our plan would be, phase one, would be to build a building that would exist, that would, that would house uh, our, the missionaries that we'll be sending that I'll tell you about in just a moment, uh, and a nurse's station and a, an office that would exist in here. And then also these two buildings, which would be the first two buildings to house uh, several um, orphans in, these, in, in this house. Now, this project institution, we want to show them the love of Christ and develop for them a family that they may not have had otherwise. And so this is the Solace family home. Now, this is phase one of that project. You can see other buildings that are dotted here. This would be the next phases of the existence as resources come in, as God provides. We'd also be able to expand this. Our goal would be to start with somewhere around five to ten orphans and then eventually increase that to dozens and eventually maybe even 40 or 50 on this very location. This thing you see in the middle is a gazebo, a hangout place for them to do life together. So this is the location of the orphanage that we believe God's calling us to build. So what this, what's this going to look like on the inside? Well, I want to show you a couple of pictures of the inside. I appreciate the work that Lisa has done on this, Lisa Grau, to, um, to, to make this possible. Uh, this is a building where our missionaries, Jeff and Tanya Jackson, and their granddaughter, Aubrey, would be staying. Uh, there's a bedroom here and a bedroom here for them. Uh, this is the master suite, and this would be possible. Uh, this is a building where our missionaries, Jeff and Tanya Jackson, and their granddaughter, Aubrey, would be staying. Uh, there's a bedroom here and a bedroom here for them. Uh, this is the master suite, and this would be a guest suite. So when I go to Africa to see on location this building, and I am going, and my wife is going with me, and some of you are going with me, you're going with me, and we're going to see on location what's going on, right? There's an office that's necessary. Okay, so this is one of the buildings. The, the, the other building that you're going to see here is an actual family home where we would house those who've been abandoned or who don't have a family structure to support them. They'd have a dining room. And, okay, so this is one of the buildings. The, the, the other building that you're going to see here is an actual family home where we would house those who've been abandoned or who don't have a family structure to support them. They'd have a dining room and a living room. I don't know for sure if they're going to have an Xbox. Hey, Mike, is it okay if we have Xbox 360s? Maybe. All right, very good. We're working on that detail, all right? We have a kitchen here for them. They'll, provide, they'll cook uh, all their meals here in their house. This is where the mama or mama would stay. This would be someone that we would hire in country to live with these uh, Ivorian uh, boys or girls. And maybe an aunt as well. That's what they're called there, an aunt. Uh, two individuals, adults, taking care of them 
you would have uh, uh, the uh, a, be- a bedroom. This would be the bath quarters for the uh, mama or the mama. And then the bath quarters for those who would be uh, considered orphans. Then you'd have the beds that are available. We could house somewhere between 10 and 12 in these rooms. And each one of these individual, I mean, in, these, in this whole facility, 10 to 12 of these precious uh, so in two of these buildings, we could have at least 20, and in five of them, you can add, add that up to see how many we can have. And so that's the plan. This is what this is going to look like in country. Now, I'm going to provide you ev- eventually a rendering, a 3D rendering, so you can see the building, and we'll provide all that in the coming uh, uh, months. But this is our plan. Now, when are we going to do this? It depends on contractual agreements, and, and it depends on permitting. But our hope would be sometime at the, towards the end of this year, we would be able to send Jeff and Tanya to Ivory Coast to begin this process of overseeing the building of the location. And eventually, sometime in 2017, we would actually open this facility to care for those who are in distress. I want you to think about this verse for a moment. James 1, 27. Religion that is acceptable before the Father is to care for widows and orphans in their distress. We are living out the gospel. This is the 1040 window, which is the window of the world that's very difficult to, to get into. Uh, and I serve on the board of 1040i. 1040i is an organization that exists in the 1040 window. Their primary focus is the 1040 window, which is the, the window of the world that's very difficult to, to get into, uh, into, into uh, and to make a difference in terms of the gospel. But 1040i exists as a humanitarian organization. They exist for health, water, and education. Mike Kuzno and the whole 1040i team put on incredible missions trips. They do uh, missions trips that are associated with medical missions. Uh, you're going to hear how that medical missions trip made a difference in the life of a young individual. They do incredible construction projects as well. But Mike is the president of 1040i. And I, as I said, I serve on the board. And Mike, I want you to come today to share with our church the story of, of a young man whose life has been changed because people lived out the gospel. Welcome to the stage, Mike Kuzno. morning. It's a pleasure to be here. I'd like to introduce to you this young man. He's going to make his own introduction. He's going to tell part of his story, and then I will fill in a great part so that we can move on, and then he will give you some parting words of encouragement. We'd like to greet you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Je suis très de les voir ce matin. Very happy to see you this morning. Bon, je sais, je m'appelle Chef Fidel. My name is Shep Fidel. Je viens de la Côte d'Ivoire. I come from the Côte d'Ivoire or Ivory Coast. Je suis né avec deux pieds, mais aujourd'hui, j'ai un pied. I was born with two legs, but today I only have one. J'ai perdu mon papa lorsque j'avais sept ans. I'm 15 years old. I lost my father when I was seven years old. Quand j'ai perdu mon papa après un an, ma tante est venue me chercher pour aller à confort. After I lost my father, when I was eight years old, 
because I was part of my father's inheritance. My mother also had to abandon me. And so my aunt came and took me down to the southern part of the country. And so when it was time in my life for me to be enrolled in elementary school, I was not enrolled, although my cousins were. I became a child that had to go every day to the cocoa plantations. I was exploited. I would get up every morning with a big machete and go to the fields to cut down the weeds and help with the harvest of the cocoa. Very difficult work. When it was, my, my uncle never encouraged me. I was never good enough in the work that I did. And one morning early, my aunt came to me and she said, Fidel, get up. It was about five o'clock in the morning. She said, I need you to go into the forest and fetch a stalk of bananas for the family. So he got up, made his way into the forest, while his other cousins would make their way to school. While he was in the forest cutting the stalk of bananas, he all of a sudden got an excruciating abdominal pain that really bent bent me over, and I could hardly walk, but I took all of my strength. I tied the stalk of bananas on the bicycle and made my way out of the forest, which was several miles. When I got out of the forest onto the main road going north and south, I couldn't go any further, and I just sat on the pavement, bent over, and watched the school kids go by on their way to school. One young man had compassion on me and asked if he could help me. He put me on the back of my bicycle and he took me to my aunt's house. There I couldn't even walk and the pain went on for several weeks. My aunt never took me to the doctor. They then went and consulted with witch doctors to find out what was wrong with me and what type of medicine that they could give to me. And they were given medicine with leaves and bark and they would boil it and I would drink the potion, wash my body with it. Nothing was helping. And then all of a sudden, this severe abdominal pain went down into my left leg. My left leg started to swell. Still, they would not take me to a doctor. And this went on for eight months. It swelled so much that infection started and it was coming out. In my culture, when you are at this stage in your life and you're away from your village, then you will do everything if you're an adult to make your way back to your village so that you will die in the village that you came from. Well, my aunt saw that I was nigh unto death, and so she sent me back to the village where she got me from. I stayed with my uncle, and he also went to consult with the fetishes, with the, the witch doctors. And they got medicine. It wasn't helping. They took me myself and went to see the witch doctor. Then the witch doctor did all of his ceremonies and so forth and, 
and reached down and acted like he was actually taking bones and rocks out of my leg. I got worse. And so then they considered me to be a sorcerer because their medicine was not working. And so I said to myself, I am in so much pain. If I really am a sorcerer, then God should just kill me. Well, God didn't kill me. And 12, the American organization, the 1040i, because I was in so much pain. And then in February of 2012, the American organization, the 1040i, came to the area. And everyone knows now they've been coming for so long. The Americans are here. The Americans are here. And with our staff, we have several surgeons. And so they brought him the eight miles to where we were located. Our orthopedic surgeon looked at him, and now he had infection in all four limbs. But his left leg was the worst. When the orthopedic surgeon examined him, the infection had gone deep into his bone. He said, in order to save this young man's life, we will have to amputate his leg. So at the age of 11, he had to make a decision to have his leg cut off and possibly survive or keep it and probably not live another two to three months. So at 11 years of age, he made the decision, let's go ahead and cut my leg off. When his uncle heard about this eight miles away, he sent word and he said, Fidel is no longer welcome in my home because in our home, no one is handicapped. He will be of no use to me anymore. He won't be able to work in the fields. So he got this word while he was convalescing, another time of rejection in his life. After he was able to leave the hospital, he did go back to his uncle, and his uncle started to really mistreat him. And the wife of his uncle also mistreated him to the point of saying that he was a sorcerer, that he himself had his own leg cut off and ate it. Imagine that, 11-year-old boy. No love was ever shown him. His uncle continued to reject him and to push him out. He wouldn't leave. He couldn't leave until one day when they brought in the harvest of millet, they put it in the room where Fidel was staying. The uncle grabbed the few pieces of clothes that he had and threw them out in the courtyard. And now he was forced to get out of that room. The uncle said, I've told you to leave. Now you have no other option. So he started to sleep out in the elements all by himself. The husband of his sister walked by early one morning and saw him sleeping next to a grain bin. He went on to his field when he came back that afternoon, he gathered the family together and he said, why is this happening? What has Fidel done to you that you would treat him that way? 
And the uncle said, well, to me personally, he's not done anything to me. However, I've told him he's no longer welcome here because he's no use to me. And so the husband of his sister said, well, it's because of his sister that I'm in this village because I married her. So we will take Fidel into our home. Fidel continued to feel this rejection, and the thought came to him one day, I have suffered so much, I think I'm ready to go to where my father is. You remember he said in the beginning that his father died when he was seven years old. So he had lost all hope of life. He got up one morning, he found some rat poison, and he started, he made his way further into the bush to take his life. His sister's husband saw him and followed him into the bush. And when he got there to the part where he was ready to take the poison, his sister's husband intervened and said, Fidel, don't do this. I know you have suffered a lot, but you cannot do this to yourself. And so Fidel went back to their home, which was a hut. And shortly thereafter, an African pastor came by to his village and shared with him about a person who loves everyone and a person who is the father of all orphans, a person that loves him so much that he sent his only son to suffer for Fidel so that Fidel can have a relationship with him if he places trust in him. This person, God, would never abandon him. He would always love him. And so as an 11, 12-year-old boy learning this, that someone would really love me and someone that loved me this much would send his only son, there must be truth in it. And so he placed his faith in the God that loves, the God that will never abandon you. And he got a real relationship with God. And he went to his, this pastor and he said, how can I be involved in ministry? I want to serve God. I want to learn as much as I can about God and my relationship with him. Remember, he had never been to school. So he didn't even know how to read. And his pastor went to the local elementary school there. Fidel has aged out of getting to go to school ever. But 1040i had ministered to the director of that school a few years earlier and led him to Christ. So he was a follower of Christ. And he said that Fidel could audit the school. And so Fidel is now in the second grade. He's learning to read the scripture. He found, And his pastor told me about a little boy that had just one leg. I was in country, and I was talking to his pastor, and his pastor told me about a little boy that had just one leg. 
for we had lost contact with him because we help hundreds of people. And he told me about this little boy that wanted to go to school. And would I be willing to purchase a bicycle so that he could ride the bicycle the three and a half miles one way to school every day? And you know, the first thought that came to me was, how can a one-legged boy ride a bicycle? And then I said, well, if he's that determined to go to school, I'll invest the $100 and purchase him a bicycle. And so we did. And that's when he started going to school. In February of 2016, we were in the village where his pastor lives. And 1040i was putting a roof on their new worship center. Now, it's not a worship center like this. It's mud walls. But they were getting a roof to put them out of the elements. And I looked over to my right, and I saw this young man standing with one crutch, one leg, with the biggest smile on his face you could imagine. I text an organization in North Carolina, 6,000 miles away, told them about his story. June, a few months ago, the CEO of a prosthetic company came with a colleague to Ivory Coast, to Tonda, and gave 15 legs to people. And one of them would be him. I called him down south. He had no clue that he was going to be the recipient of a leg. When he came down, I said, Fidel, do you know why you came? He said, no. I said, well, I just want to see how you're doing. But there's something else special. And that is that by the end of this week, you will leave this compound on two legs. And it really didn't click. So I said in his mother tongue, which is Lobi, I said, Fignetta, do you understand? And he got the biggest smile on his face. Never in his wildest imagination did he ever think that he would get a leg. And they came. And they were solution-driven because everything they brought was too big for him. His residual limb was very short and very small. But they went to work and provided him a temporary prosthesis. We did not know that he would be standing before you today in the United States of America to share his story. He didn't have a birth certificate, nothing. But God planted the seed and the dream in our hearts. And we wanted to see how far we could take it. And this is where it is today. He came to the United States on August the 25th, 6th. We spent a week in North Carolina. He got a permanent prosthesis, and he's been sharing his story. He returns back to his country tomorrow, and by next Friday, he will be back in school. When he got his leg, he said, Now I am someone. Now I can do what everyone does with two legs. And a couple of weeks ago, he said to me, I don't know why God has chosen me, 
There are people with greater stories than myself. But God has given me this grace. And I turned to him and I said, Fidel, it is because you are special. And God has something very special for your life. When some students in North Carolina asked him the question after he spoke, Fidel, what would you like to become? His answer was, I would like to become a doctor because it was a doctor that saved my life. Then a few hours later, he said, do you remember what I told you when we were in Tonda? I said, refresh my memory. He said, I told you that I wanted to be a pastor. Can you be a pastor and a doctor at the same time? I said, yes. You can be whatever God calls you to be and always share the message of hope. And we are three and a half minutes past our time. But, but Fidel wants to give you some final words. Je verrai les dire, ils ont écouté mon histoire, c'est vrai. Je ne veux pas que cela va détruire leur cœur. It is true that you have just run to suffer to be successful tomorrow. Dieu a dit, il nous connaît. C'est comme ça, l'homme doit souffrir pour recevoir demain. Sometimes we are called upon to suffer to be successful tomorrow. Dieu a dit, il nous connaît lorsque on est dans le vent de notre mère. The scripture tells us that God knows us or knew us when we were in our mother's womb. Et c'est lui qui connaît quel quelle souffrance que tu vas souffrir pour lui au pays. And God knows even at that point and suffer for him. Merci beaucoup d'écouter mon histoire. Thank you so much for hearing my story. Great. You can be seated for just a moment. We want to give uh, Fidel uh, some of our solace garb. Um, this is a, I don't. This is a shirt uh, of of Africa, and it says "Love God, Love People." Uh, we're going to give him this and uh, and a hoodie. Uh, Mike, uh, do you need a hoodie what? in uh, Ivory Coast? Oh, yeah. Will a hoodie work? Yes. Great. Okay. I know we've already given him a hat as well. Fidel, I want you to have this. I'm going to give this to you in just a second. Thanks for sharing today your story. And uh, Mike, I, I think that um, I think that that uh, Fidel would maybe want to show them a really cool, really cool piece of this whole prosthetic. Yeah. When uh, he said, "Now I can do things that everyone else does with two legs," he wasn't lying. I can cross my legs just like you. And if I have chewing gum on my foot, I can just move it up and take it off. <laughs> oh, Mike, thanks for sharing. I appreciate that. Take those. Hey, and I, I, I said this earlier, but you need to hear this. I'm coming to see you. 
And I, I, want, I want you to be wearing some solid stuff when I see you. Il va venir te voir en Côte d'Ivoire et lorsqu'il arrive, il veut voir les t-shirts sur toi. D'accord, thank you. <laughs> Good to see you, brother. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you, Sierra. And so, this is the gospel. It's meeting people where they are in the physical world. It is demonstrating the love of Christ to them so that they may know their creator, that they may know that, that Jesus gave his life for them. This is why we go. So on your seat, when you sit down, when you came in today, uh, you, were, you had this with you. And I want to just for a moment, just go over this before we pray. Um, one of the things we said about being missional is that that some of the patterns of our life have to change. They just do. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to um, make some decisions today. You'll notice on this, one of the things we said about being missional is that, that some of the patterns of our life have to change. And so today, you're not committing fully to anything. Today, you're just going to be, become a part of helping us understand that you're ready to take a step to discover all that God has for you. So let me just give you this quickly. And I would love for you to put your name and phone number and email on this and then just check whatever box or boxes you're interested in. I'm interested in supporting the Jackson family. Who is the Jackson family? Jeff and Tanya Jackson. They're part of our church. They're going to come up on stage just in a moment. We're going to pray for them to conclude our service. But uh, they are going as missionaries. They, they are from Burry Hill, America. Okay? Right here. And they are going and leaving the comfort and convenience of what they get to enjoy. And they're going to go live out this whole idea of being missional. You can financially support them and help them be able to make it in country. And, and uh, so if you're interested in financially supporting the Jackson family, you can check that. If you're interested in financially supporting an orphan who will be on location, who will be taken care of, you can do that as well. Again, you're not saying I'm committing to a certain number. You're just saying I'd love to find out more about how I can be a part of that. And we'll give you the information about what it costs to support an orphan uh, on a monthly basis. And by the way, just so you know, whatever amount God speaks to your heart about, $1 or anything other than that, is perfectly fine. And I want you to know that I'm not asking you to consider doing anything Jennifer and I aren't already going to do. Jennifer and I support personally 1040i. We support them through our own personal resources every month. Um, we, we are going to support Jeff and Tanya through our personal finances. We're going to help support an orphan as well. I want to be able to go on location to see the actual individual that my finances are making a difference uh, in their life. I want to see them, and so I, we're going to do that as well. You can also, uh, if you're interested in helping furnish a room at the orphanage, there'll be uh, specific items within the room uh, that, that we'll, uh, we'll need to purchase along the way, and so you can do that. If you're interested in taking a short-term mission trip over there uh, and being a part of that, please check that box. And also, if you're interested in being a part of the prayer team for Africa. Now, wait, don't check that box if you'll say, occasionally when it pops in my mind, I'll remember to pray. Check that box if you're willing to say, on a regular, consistent basis, I will make sure and call out the names of Jeff and Tanya and Aubrey and, and all those who are involved in making this possible in Ivory Coast. That's what I mean by that last box, okay? I want to introduce to you uh, again, maybe again, or for the first time, uh, Jeff and Tanya. And is Aubrey with you as well? She's not with you? Okay, that's fine. Come on up here just, just for a moment before we're done today. 
This is uh, Jeff and Tanya Jackson, and um, they are going to be leaving sometime. Uh, and the details are still yet to be determined, but sometime, hopefully in the next few months, to go on location, to oversee the building project, and to, be, to live in country, and to direct the orphanage on location. And I just want you guys to know that I'm proud of you. Um, I don't know if anyone in the room can really appreciate how significant it is to say, I'm giving up everything I know as my normal, everything that is my world, to give that up to go serve in this capacity overseas. But I just want to say on behalf of our church, thank you for being willing and courageous enough to do it. I know that that is a huge, huge decision. And you need to know that your church will support you and we are for you and we will prayerfully support you and we will be on location encouraging you as you go and do this good work to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. I'm so proud of you. And I want to pray today. You can clap for that. That's great. I want to pray today for Jeff and Tanya and Aubrey and for this good work that God has called us to do. Would you pray with me? Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.